0: Namo tasa bhagavatu arahato sama dasa Namo tasa bhagavatu arahato sama sambu dasa Namo tasa bhagavatu arahato sama sambu dasa <coughs> traditionally, traditionally, whenever we do something we are going to do something good. We do this paying of homage. That's our tradition. So, uh, This evening I would like to talk about uh, the beautiful states of Buddha nature with reference to uh, moral conduct, truthfulness, and energy. As you know, these are three of the ten paramis perfections. Buddha nature prior is a new term to you. In Pali word is called Buddha Datu. Basically it means uh, the potential to awaken, especially in early Buddhism that's what it means. In modern Buddhism it, is, it has come to mean uh, the inherent nature which is in every sentient beings to awaken. So then, it is not only Buddhism then, it's everyone who is really wishing to aspire or aspiring to those qualities in order to awaken. So when I mentioned moral conduct, I thought most of you are going to fall asleep, but I'm surprised you're still awake. Anyway, if you are already asleep, you are exempted from listening. (laughs) Because this term is, uh, I think, uh, disappearing from our vocabulary. And even energy itself, because of microwave and, you see, fast internet. So everything is so fast, so we don't have to use a lot of energy. Welcome to this practice. You need some energy, as we are going to see. So... uh, as you know, these are the wonderful qualities, actually, everyone has. So it's not exclusive. No one has, no one has monopoly over those, factor, those wonderful qualities. On opening day, I told you how I transformed from a to a monk. I don't expect you to, to be monks and nuns. <laughs> that is another level of transformation. But there's even deeper level. You can actually transform, as Kamara said, from greed to non-greed, hatred to non-hatred, from uh, delusion to non-delusion. So you don't have to bother to put on robes. So you just change here in the mind. How about that? <laughs> so that's why I love about this teaching. So it took me a while also to, be, to become a monk, so I had to think a lot. <laughs> And to try to transform this first. <laughs> Not yet fully transformed. I'm trying. That's why I want to share something with you. So, uh, where is this Buddha nature? To a skeptical Western mind, you ask, where is it kept? Is it in the ears, in the head, or in the pocket, in a wallet? Where is this Buddha nature? <laughs> I know some of you probably are starting asking, especially when it has the word Buddha before. <laughs> I say, where is this? <laughs> Actually, it's the potential. It's like when you see a tree, a young one, can you identify where the mangoes are? But we know there's a potential for this tree, mango tree, to bring fruits. So don't underestimate your potential to transform from suffering to happiness. It's interesting to note that, that most people, they try to look for this potential outside themselves. They try to uh, expect maybe uh, so-and-so is going to bring me everlasting happiness. If I get this and that and that, I will get really, really happy. So they always seek it, this Buddha nature outside themselves. There's a, a Hindu legend which I really like so much. There's a, once, time, once upon a time there was a Brahma. In a Hindu tradition they're called Brahma. So they are the gods. And they have control over everything. Every single thing, even creating beings. Well, anyway. So, um, the Brahma gave human beings divinity and they abused it. So he was disappointed. He was, now he started wondering where to hide this Buddha nature or Divinity. or In this case, it's divinity. In Buddhism, we call it Buddha nature, but in this case, let's say divinity. Or call it happiness. Call it the kingdom of God within. So all, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. You have different traditions, but you know there's that potential within us. So uh, he, sought, he sought advice from uh, lesser gods. Say, okay, they advised him, hide it in the earth. Human beings won't find it. They said, no, 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 they will dig. <laughs> they will get even bulldozers and we'll get, they'll find it. <laughs> and then so no, 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 no. Let me try to think. He thought, he thought, let me hide it in the mountains. He said, no, no, mountain climbers, they will go there and find it. <laughs> and then he thought again, oh, let me hide in the sea. Oh, scuba divers, <laughs> they'll find it. <laughs> I was a scuba diver, actually, instructor in my Lay life. So <laughs> I, I tried to seek it there, but I couldn't find it. I was disappointed and I left. <laughs> I was in Thailand for two years, actually, before I became a monk, too. Anyway, I have experience about that. <laughs> I know how to seek this. <laughs> so then he said, Okay, yeah, let me hide it within a human being. They will not even bother to find it. <laughs> they will be lazy. Oh no, no, no. Maybe let me go to Thailand. Oh, let me go. They will leave even their homes and pay a lot of money pay <laughs> to go for vacation. I don't think. I don't say don't go for vacation. <laughs> so it's within you. So human being up to now they haven't found it, which is surprising. Good news. The Buddha found the secret, <laughs> and there's a phrase in the Dharmapada which alludes to this fact. In the Buddha's, my name is Buddha Rakita, so I tend to protect the Buddha. So, or you see a lot of phrases from the Buddha, so don't get scared. <laughs> so, the Buddha mentioned phrases, a phrase from the Dharmapada which reveal this fact. And if you have this phrase, you have a gem. You have a kind of a talisman. You can go with at home, and it will transform you. I hope so. <laughs> anyway, I'm not attached to results. So <laughs> you do whatever you want. So the <laughs> <laughs> now, this phrase is like that. It goes like this: All actions are led by the mind. Minds their master. Minds their maker. Act your speak with impure state of mind. And suffering will follow you as a cut wheel follows the foot of the ox that pulls it. So, that's one phrase. The second phrase goes like this. All actions are led by the mind. Minds their master. Minds their maker. Act your speak with a pure state of mind and happiness will follow you. Like a shadow following you without ever departing. Those phrases, if you can put them on your refrigerator or <laughs> even on your door, <laughs> they'll remind you a lot. There's a lot in, that, in those phrases. So I'll try to explain a little bit what they mean one by one. The first one, uh, act with an impure state of mind, that, with, that means with greed, hatred, and delusion. You, suffering will follow you. This is not a curse. <laughs> from the Buddha, is actually reality. You try it. <laughs> there is a gap between, I don't know if you've seen a cat wheel pulling the ox, but I've seen it in Burma. There's a gap between the wheel and the foot of the ox. So this is what happens. Is when we always do something wrong, we think we'll get away with this thing. Huh? If, especially when we have a lot of money, we just get a good lawyer and deal with these things. I'm sorry, there's a lawyer here. (laughs) 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 So for us, our job is to do wrong things, and the lawyer takes care of his problem. (laughs) You see the gap we create? Okay. And also we think, maybe I'll go to Uganda, maybe I'll go to Canada and get away with it. No. Suffering will follow you soon or later. That's where, in that phrase, that's what it means. And also there is a a, a, weight, weight, piece to that. You know when the cart pulling merchandise, does it pull it with the happiness? It's so heavy, you know? So when you do something wrong, it weighs upon you. Even when people are happy, you feel like you're carrying a luggage, you know? This is amazing. This is very, very deep and very profound imagery. Then the second phrase, uh, say that if you act you, speak, you act, you speak with a pure state of mind. That means you act with generosity, or, uh, loving kindness, and, and uh, wisdom and understanding. So, happiness will follow you at the shadow without ever departing. Now, honestly, I want you to raise your hand. Who is, has ever had a problem with carry, uh, carrying their shadows? <laughs> really, I need the answers. Wait today? <laughs> I've never get, got these answers. It's so light, you know. So, when you do something good, you feel ease of mind, you know? So light, you know? Why not try that? And also, there is no gap between your shadow and you. Who has a gap in the shadow? I want to, again, raise your hand. No, there's no gap. So, that shows how immediate happiness is when you perform good things. Welcome to morality, you see? The value of uh, keeping moral principles. So again, this is an invitation. You tried. I've given you a menu. Two things, only two things to choose from: suffering or happiness. Maybe now you are trying to figure out how, uh, the menu of the kitchen here, how, how, whether you are going to have pizza or whatever. <laughs> Maybe you are trying to figure out the menu of IMS. But I've told you the Dharma menu. It's called Dhamaja, the food of Dharma. That's the menu. It's easy to choose. You just choose. Any of those, I'll put it out for you there. So those are the good news from the Buddha who found where happiness is our Buddha nature. Now, as we talk about these moral principles, most people, they're saying, oh, no, no, I don't want morality. What is this? Oh, it's really just a wastage of time. After all, I have a good mind. I can really figure out things by myself. I don't need to be told, not kill or whatever. I can just I just want to be a free thinker. I can figure out things myself by myself. I'm telling you, uh, this uh, morality is actually the inner virtue which is inherent in each of us here. It's just not like a set of rules and rituals or these Buddhist rituals. I don't want that. No, it's the inner virtue. If you want to test this, if you ever go to the funeral to the funeral they'll always uh, quote these things, whether I was a Buddhist or Christian or or Jewish whatever, they'll quote these qualities. He has been good, he has been kind, he has been compassionate, and all these wonderful qualities. These are the inner virtues. So when you hear about these um, precepts, actually they go beyond just mere rules. So we start from the inner virtues, which we are, of course we are trying to cultivate now. And then we go all the way to uh, trying to cultivate virtuous actions and speech uh, throughout our life. That's a part of performance, which is a little bit further up now from inner virtues. And then the third level is the, actually, the, rule, the rules of conduct actually. So, the, like the precepts, so each has its function. Of course, the, uh, the inner virtues for us to be happy is just inherent. You don't have to to go anywhere. You just you just have to tap inside, and then find it there. But virtuous action, you need to make some effort, energy really to perform something good. Maybe giving something to somebody. Maybe uh, coming to meditate, that's a virtuous act. Rule of conduct is a systematic systematic, uh, layout of how to bring out these inner virtues. So you can see it's not a set of rules. It's just something really to guide you to really go inside to bring out these inner virtues. It's like driving to New York and you, you get a map, you know. So you just really don't waste your gas and time and all that trying to go exit here and over there. So the same thing with these rules, they're just guidelines to what we have already. So there's a lot of resistance when people, when they hear about these rules, moral principles, but I think there shouldn't be much resistance if we know that we have already these inequalities, but they're just covered by our greed, hatred, and delusion. Some of the mental factors that can really help you to uh, practice uh, this morality and uh, enhance this practice is one of them is faith and confidence or conviction. Well, most of, the pe- most of you probably don't know about the word karma, but I will just say it's, this means causes and effects. You know, good brings good, bad brings bad, as simple as that. So there's no brain surgery there, you know. <laughs> so if you don't believe that, walk on the pavement and see if you dodge the pavements and all that. You know that I'll hit my toy on the pavement. That's why you don't hit the pavement. But when it comes to, live, to believe the law of karma, you say, no, 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 that's Asian thing, you know. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> so actually, this helps you to know that if I do something wrong, I'll get the results. So these are just basic things that you need to really know as you go through the practicing of these moral principles. Uh, Mindfulness, of course, is important. Uh, Kamara mentioned that in her good talk and wisdom. You need those things. Wisdom basically to decide what is skillful and unskillful. Mindfulness is to remember to do good or to avoid evil or even to be present. Patience. To, avoid, uh, to be patient with uh, whatever mental state or, uh, that arises, maybe ill will uh, and there's a mis- mosquito comes then, it comes bites, you say it's worth a slap you're about to, you're about to slap and then in patience, you grab your hand like this, because you remember <laughs> I cannot kill something so you just grab like that's patience and then you put it down Wow, <sighs> I've saved a life, so it's a joy to know that you have saved life Then energy, you need it. I'll talk about energy, of course. And then more fear and more dread. These two factors, they are the one which are going to help you so much when it comes to practice and perfecting this parami, this perfection of morality. Basically, uh, more fear is the uh, recoiling from doing bad thing, thinking that, oh, out of respect, basically, and moral dread is actually uh, uh, dreading to do something evil out of uh, uh, like uh, thinking that this is going to bring some kind of dire consequences. Like, I can give you an analogy. If you have a road, this one, you see this one? Okay, if this is dirty and this is hot, no, let's do it like this. This is hot and this is dirty. <laughs> so, moral. Moral fear is like fearing to touch, uh, uh, I think, uh, sorry, moral fear, it means like, uh, sorry, moral shame, it is like f- uh, dreading to touch something that because, you, oh yeah, not good, wow, why did I touch this? So moral dread is touching the hot thing if, because you fear that it's going to, I mean, you dread that it's going to burn you, and then you go to the hospital maybe. So if you have those two qualities, you can practice morality without any problem because most of the time we don't have moral shame and moral fear so we just do something you know yeah we don't know even the consequence of whatever will happen after doing this so this is very very important in fact the buddha said that this is what is protecting the whole world the whole world if there's no more fear and moral uh, moral shame and moral fear moral dread the whole world will crumble into Chaos. Do you know some parts of the world which are chaotic? That's a good example. (laughs) There's there's no more shame and more fear. There are so many places. This world can be a heaven, you know? Actually, heaven, according to Buddhism, is here, and hell is here. You can go to places around midnight, and then you'll see where hell lies. (laughs) I don't want to say hell lies here. You know you know, you know that I cannot go to this street in the middle of night. So you don't, have, you don't have to wait until you die to go to hell. And also, heaven is here. Are we not in a heavenly place here? I feel in heaven here. Nobody's going to steal my robes or something like that. <laughs> anyway, that's all what I have anyway. <laughs> but I think you are safe with your watches also. <laughs> When I was a layman, uh, I was given a gift of an expensive watch. I never put on that watch in, uh, in Thailand and <laughs> India. The first time I put on that watch, I was in Singapore, because most Singaporeans are very rich anyway. So they don't bother what, what watch I was putting on. <laughs> Next, when I was in Uganda, they told me they would cut off my arm <laughs> and take the watch. <laughs> Then, when I came to America, I went through South America, they told me, if you go to Johannesburg, you'll die if you put on that watch. (laughs) Then I came to IMS, actually, I felt so relieved that nobody will ever take it. (laughs) (laughs) Really, we are in heaven, so (laughs) it's amazing. And what makes the difference between heaven and hell? What's that? Is it not what we are trying to do to transform ourselves? so that we can become better beings. So I I think this is wonderful. Now, how to develop this perfection of morality and truthfulness? Because I'm going to talk about also truthfulness by basically undertaking the five precepts, eight precepts, 10 precepts, 227, 311 for (laughs) nuns. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you can even transform by five precepts. <laughs> Forget about two hundred and twenty-seven precepts. <laughs> actually, uh, it's amazing this precept, the five precepts, the Buddha actually adapted them from Indian society. Any society which wishes ha- uh, peace and happiness and all that should follow this moral principle. Principles. So, if you have resistance, all oh, this Buddhist thing, I'm just actually so and so. Actually, it's any society which is really admiring sanity, sanity, you know, and uh, peace and happiness. Really, if it has these five precepts, there's no need even for United Nations. Yes, because peace is already here. And if everybody is keeping this peace, there's no, there will be no prisons, no cops. I don't know what jobs they will get. Anyway, they can get other jobs. <laughs> so there will be all these court, 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 and all this, all this will be eliminated. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> try to keep five precepts. You'll see the difference in your life. I can tell you because I kept them before. So, but even you look up at the 227 precepts for monks. Actually, the Buddha didn't sit down and torture these monks. Yeah, keep a lot <laughs> and get on with it. Actually, it's because no, monks were so many and they start actually breaking one rule after the other. So any rule they break, Buddha adds on them. That means, <laughs> that means monks broke 227 rules. <laughs> I'm not breaking all. Nuns, <laughs> <Nance, two>, 311 <laughs> I'm not discouraging you to become nuns (laughs) anyway the more rules you keep the better because that's how you get happiness so I want to go through uh, one rule by uh, rule we took uh, these precepts there are two kinds actually one is uh, uh, two kinds of precepts Uh, abstainence is like I undertake the training route uh, uh, not to kill or something like that but there's more to precepts than abstinence. Always they choose Buddhism, always about don't do this, don't do this. What can we do? What We want to do something. <laughs> you know we are not... <laughs> it's amazing. You know we are doing beings. <laughs> yeah, as always we are doing something. <laughs> do this, do that, and all that. So, so when we take these precepts, uh, We abstain from killing. It's very important we respect life. Even the Buddha said that all human beings fear death. So the way to practice these precepts is to use yourself as an example. So you put yourself in the shoes of others. So I don't want death, then I won't steal. I don't want, I mean uh, kill. I don't want this, then I won't do this. So that's really the rule of the thumb that will guide you to keep the precepts. So if you want to hit somebody, Remember, I don't want to be heated, hot. And then you stop there. And then, so motivation for killing, of course, is sometimes uh, people kill because of status, um, because of social status. They want to get a big fish, the biggest fish. I got a good one, so they're really proud. They even get proud that they kill something it's because of social status. Status. That's killing out of greed. There's also killing out of hatred. Yeah, murdering, uh, murdering people. And, uh, there's also killing out of uh, 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 delusion. That means conducting religious ceremonies and, I mean, sacrifices and you kill many cows and all that. Wow. We have Buddha mass. You know Buddha mass? Buddha mass for us is like Christmas nothing really, really died on that day. That's why I like it. So nothing is killed on that day, even no tree. So I like that day very much because I feel that all beings are celebrating Buddha Mass. Anyway, you can take it from there and you celebrate your Christmas in a way you like, but I, I'm just sharing what you, we celebrate. I don't know what you celebrate. So it's so wonderful to have this kind of a day. Of course, the performance is to radiate loving kindness to all beings, compassion, and respect for all life. When you undertake the, uh, the training rule not to take things, uh, things which are not given, basically, this is uh, on a retreat, of course, we don't expect people to take anything, <laughs> especially here. For me, it's really a realm here. So basically, nobody expects to take anything, but sometimes there's a subtle taking, you know, sometimes we say you have to observe total silence or noble silence, and then you sneak into your friend's room and you talk something, you know, and that's really taking away their silence. They need it, you know. Outside the world is so busy and so uh, noisy, so this is a, a really a wonderful gift you can give to yourself and others. So don't sn- snatch it from other people. <laughs> so I think that's an, uh, one way of taking things which are not given, but Uh, I think you're pretty much fine here. So, of course, uh, uh, the positive effect of the performance, what you have to do there is uh, to be trustful, trustworthy, practice practice generosity and contentedness of the few things you have. So, there is also the practice of, of abstaining from not indulging in sensual pleasures. Or even sexual misconduct. Even uh, you can even push it higher, and behave like monks. Abraham Charia I means uh, abstaining from all sensual activities, because when we really indulge in this kind of uh, activities, uh, sensual pleasures, and all that, they really cause some kind of excitement, and that excitement is not happiness. Actually, it's just some kind of uh, agitation and tension and all that, which. When, which, when we satisfy this kind of sensual pleasures, it's just actually uh, a release of that tension in the first place. So if we don't create it in the first place, then we can meditate. We can be calm. It's not we're just not torturing you, okay, don't look at this and that and all that. It's just we know that it's really the way to deepen your practice by uh, cutting off this kind of activities. Of course, the most guiding uh, motivation here always is greed and lust to indulge in this kind of stuff. And then the, pa- the performance is always to be faithful, of course, to your, to your partners and they, in their life. Uh, that's one way yeah, you, you, you can perform faithfulness. And here's sense con- restraint, of course. Uh, you, you try to perform sense restraint and then contentment with a few things you have. So the best way to really practice this is to watch when it's time for food. Yes, especially the good food. You want to really look um, maybe how many uh, servings you're going to have, you know. So then also when you're doing walking meditation, try to look here and there and look. Or maybe after the retreat we'll talk, we we'll have a talk, you know. <laughs> so watch out those times, especially walking meditation. You tend to really wander here, look over here and over there. In 99, I did a a three-month retreat here. I really indulged myself in tea here. There's a lot of tea here. IMS has a wonderful tea, all the different assortments. So they would say, okay, it's time for walking. I'll just go there and look for the wonderful tea. I like tea. I don't know why I liked so much tea. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, there was even Saturday. It was not only tea only. On these tea bags, I mean, box, there were some messages. And I would cut them out and I'd go to my room and I read this message. Wow, this resonates with me. <laughs> and actually, even after three months' retreat, I cut out all those tea bags messages and all that. And then I'd talk with me. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing what we have in the mind here. You want to watch out how many times you read the schedule. Even, <laughs> 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 um, am I going to have interview with the Buddha Rakita? It's just mental stimulation. We just want something to stimulate your mind. <laughs> because you're used to seeing these TVs and all that and all these images. Just... <laughs> You may want to start enjoying mental movies, <laughs> but also that is another sensual desire. So you, you just have to not seeing, seeing, and seeing and all that. Okay, we go to false speech. I'll talk about truthfulness. So uh, this is uh, uh, abstaining from false speech, and uh, of course, uh, probably this won't happen so much because you are really off the hook. You are, you are maintaining noble silence. <laughs> you can't do much about that. <laughs> <laughs> we got you there. <laughs> you <laughs> but still there's a loophole. You got the interview and say, what am I going to report to Bantu Buddha Rakita? So you try to create all these conditions. And without even knowing but you start pushing. Eh? Trying to mold things to look a little bit fancy and all that, <laughs> but anyway, it's not happening. I'm not suspicious about that. But <laughs> just watch. I'm mean, just saying, just watch where you're trying to extend. You know the limits. <laughs> so, uh, of course, people lie also out of uh, uh, greed. And try to raise standards. I want to be like you know, fame, uh, famous, and all that. Hatred. They lie to divide people. Oh, you know, you are so-and-so is just uh, really a piece of jack, you know. Why, you, why uh, please don't really keep company with that person. And then you divide people. So we tend to tell lies out of hatred. Delusion, we tell jokes, all kind of jokes, except my jokes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so when you're joking, try to make sure that uh, it's not delusion. Actually, it's not terrible really bad, like lying out of greed and hatred, but you know whenever you tell a joke, make sure that you don't go off limits. Otherwise, it can tell turn to be a, a false speech. Uh, <clears throat> are, uh, of course, the <clears throat> the performance of that is speak truthful and then out, uh, and uh, to be trustful, tr- trustful. So the fifth precept is ab- uh, abstaining from uh, taking intoxicants that leads to heedlessness. So there's a a condition to that, and people take advantage of that. Okay, I'll drink a little bit, so long as I'm mindful. Let me take the middle path, you know, just have fun, you know. Forget about those precepts. You will go back to IMS and take them again. (laughs) Come on, this is a... You know, this is only your life. Enjoy, you know. Life is short but sweet. You know, keep it sweet. You know. So you take, keep on drinking. And there's <laughs> there's a Japanese proverb which says that uh, at the beginning of drink, the bottle take uh, the man takes a bottle, and later on the bottle takes the bottle, and later on the bottle the bottle takes the man. <laughs> so so and that means you're really drunk. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. So there's a a story where the layman uh, took five priests like you at IMS and went home and said, I'll keep them. And later on he said, no, 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 drinking is not bad. This uh, Buddha, I think, didn't really think, didn't give a second thought. So after when I drink, I get happy. So what he did, he just went home and maybe three bottles of wine, took the first one. Then a chicken came. Ah, wow, maybe my neighbor sent it to Put the wine down. <laughs> so he got it and cut it, chopped the head off, and then cooked it and ate it. And then the, the owner came, have you seen my chicken? He said, no, 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 no. I've not in your little poop. <laughs> but since he was on his third bottle, he was so drunk and molested the lady. How many precepts? <laughs> <he brought? laughs> Don't undermine even keeping one precepts. You can, bro- especially this one, you can break all the precepts without knowing. Something to, ta- uh, to, lo- to look at that. So. so what are the reasons of taking all these precepts and con- uh, ethical conduct, and how does it benefit us? Really, if you want to practice this, you might want to really reflect. Even if you want to know the reason why you take precepts, these are wonderful reflections. Danger of not taking these precepts and the benefits of taking these precepts. If you do that, along, you reason along those lines, you, be, you have courage to, to, to keep these precepts. The danger of self-reproach. If you break the precepts, you really feel this nagging thing, you know, oh, I wish I didn't do this. We always regret kind of... Uh, uh, Worry and anxiety and remorse and all that. So, we re- in fact, that's really a danger to ourselves. We are, we are re- really doing something dangerous to ourselves. Then blame of others. People try, start blaming us why we did things like that. Then, of course, punishment by the government, law enforcement uh, uh, department. They will really punish us. If you don't believe me about uh, these five precepts, try to visit one prison by one prison. Of course, you find out uh, also some people who are innocent, but I'm telling you, there will be so many of, because of break, breaking these precepts. They, uh, the, uh, if you avoid them, then maybe you can cut down the chances of uh, really being uh, put in prison. Uh, <clears throat> then, uh, of course, I don't know if you believe in future lives, the chances of getting a rebirth when you are breaking precepts is just in uh, unhappy destinations. In fact, there's no great loss. You can lose maybe wealth and all that, but if you lose morality and right view, <clears throat> actually that's the greatest uh, loss according to Buddhism. Because when you're born again, your loss of wealth doesn't lead you to hell. Only morality that leads you to the, that, that area. So you might not believe in future lives, but anyway, but at least you can focus on the present danger. So the advantages are so many. Freedom from remorse and blame and all that, and law enforcement departments and whatever. And it's the greatest gain to have morality because when, when, if you get the rebirth, gain of wealth, even if you have billions and billions of dollars, they will stop somewhere after death all the success I will get and share and the price struggle, you know, (laughs) struggle to get all that. But what's going to help you in heaven? Buddhism also have heaven. Even beyond that, they have Nibbana, final liberation. It will help you. Morality is what's going to help you. It's a basis. Friends, inner virtue is very, very important. I've spent a lot of time covering this area because one of uh, our teacher also, I was happy to I was privileged to practice with the Saido Pandita, uh, Kamara talked about that. I consider him also my teacher, too. I have many teachers, so I respect him. I went to Burma from the airport from Thailand. As soon as he saw me, he said, go for a crash course in morality and sila." I was sweating, Burma is so hot. <laughs> That's serious, how serious he is. Later on, I told him, I've done it in California. I said, no, that's not enough. <laughs> then I went to his center practice. In the morning, he came with a stick. <laughs> Did you do it? <laughs> so I've be- got so much courage to practice morality that I've spent a chunk of time really talking about morality. I hope you'll benefit from that. And if you don't, give it to me back. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever beneficial put in your mind or in your heart. If you feel it's not beneficial, you put it in your wallet, and you'll consider it later on. So energy. <clears throat> energy is uh, uh, something also which can put people to sleep now, because <laughs> people just wish when clothes get dirty, they put it in the laundry, and they just wash. But you <laughs> know, meditation, you don't do that. And <laughs> you don't do that with meditation, so you need to, uh, to, uh, to apply some energy. One thing I like you know I, I, I like about America is making a cup of tea it takes one minute <laughs> One time I was in India, I spent five years in India. And sometime we went for in caves and there we prepared tea it takes you have to look for firewood and then it took over thirty minutes to get a cup of tea. <laughs> Africa is no different. I'm not scaring you to come to Africa. By the way, come all to Africa. <laughs> but come to Africa, but I'm not scaring you You can have a cup of tea. But it takes around 30 minutes to have one. Because especially if you go to the villages, you need energy. You know, firewood and all this. Maybe by the time you get a cup of tea, even the apartheid is gone, you know. <laughs> but anyway, with the practice, you need persistence energy. Energy is very important. So, uh, in the Buddha's teaching, energy is very important. In fact, is in in the thirty seven factors of enlightenment, is repeated more than any other factor, including mindfulness, including wisdom. Energy is very important. You know, sometimes people are very lazy. They say, "Oh, effortless effort." They watch their TV, oh no, <laughs> they're just like a snail, you know, they just don't apply effort. When they come to here to meditation, they get disappointed because we tell them apply your, yourself. So there's really, there's really nothing you can achieve, and especially something worth achieving without energy. In order to accomplish the training of perfection in this energy, you need to have initial energy at least to start, and then step it up. That's the second level. And then you need to determine to have this courageous energy, the third level, to determine not to give up until you achieve the goal, especially if you want to perfect this morality. My 227 precepts didn't come overnight. <laughs> it is a lot of work <laughs> really to determine to take those precepts. So you have to do the work, and then uh, I think something can happen. You can transform uh in uh, scriptures they divide energy into four parts uh that's the uh, the first one is uh, effort they call it also effort effort to prevent an arisen or some states of mind from arising by making effort exerting energy and uh, uh and uh, and, uh st- striving so you can see when you're practicing, maybe hearing, seeing, and all that, there's some kind of mental energy, not physical energy, but mental energy involved, so like in sense control, to try to control your senses. So that involves a lot of energy. Basically, that's in the realm of mindfulness. Of course, somebody, uh, Kamala already talked about mindfulness. So there's also an effort there to overcome uh, a reason or some st- uh, 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 awesome states of mind. Let's say if you have greed, then you, you, have, uh, you overcome it with generosity. If you have uh, hatred, you overcome it with meta. Somebody will talk about meta this time. Uh, of course, uh, if you have uh, ill will and jealousy and all that, you can come overcome all that with compassion and all that. So there's also effort to develop. Uh, like an arisen or some states of mind. Let's say, if you don't have enough meta, that's why we tell you to practice this meta. But actually, you have a lot probably, but we just tell you to awaken it. Wake up, buddy. (laughs) Inside sleep, just wake up. So we really tell you to, we are just trying to tell you to wake up these qualities that you already have. They are really fast asleep. You just have to wake them up. It's like you when you go to sleep. We need to ring a bell, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> so the same thing when we practice, we really need to, okay, wake up. Effort to maintain what uh, those qualities that, uh, or some qualities that have arisen. So you maintain them. Don't leave these qualities at IMS. <laughs> you take them with you. If you don't have a bag, you can borrow from me. Pack all your matern, generals and all that. Take to New York or wherever you are coming. That's maintaining not to leave it here in the garbage, trash, or forget about it. <laughs> no, 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 not doing it like that. So uh, that's energy. Uh, I, I would like to cover truthfulness separately. That is part of also morality. Truthfulness is also another wonderful perfection. Uh, it's not only the absence of lies or false speech. But also being truthfulness to yourself, because sometimes we, we are not true to ourselves. Like we commit to do something and we don't do it. We say, oh, "I'll go to POC next time." It was wonderful, but we create all these stories. Oh, I was doing this, so we are not true to whatever we determine to do. So that's why I wanted even to cover truthfulness separately. It's not just only not telling. Uh, truth, you just lie in your bed. Oh, I'm not telling the truth, I'm just perfecting this pyramid. No, you have to do something, especially when they cover determination. That's why even it comes before determination. You need to to be true to yourself in order to really uh, perfect other uh, like especially determination and others. The Buddha said, uh, this um, truthfulness in terms of uh, abstaining from uh, false speech. It's, it talked about uh, if a person is asked, "Did you see this person or do you know this?" You say, "Okay, I see, I saw him." So they will tell the truth. Didn't you didn't see this person? or I didn't. They say, "Yes, I didn't." They don't do the other way around. What you didn't say, say I saw. What you saw, you said didn't saw. So you really become truthful. To, to yourself in your speech. So here we try to abandon false speech and abstain from uh, speaking uh, false for, for speech. Uh, that person will always speak the truth, He will always hold the truth, and he will, uh, he's also firm and reliable, and he doesn't deceive the world. The world is full of deception, really, really, and that wrecks the whole world. Again, to, how to practice this truthfulness is to take the precepts. If you take the precepts, really, most of the things will be clear. That's why it's the first one. You take the first precepts seriously, and it reflects on dangers of telling lies. Of course, there's danger. People won't be trusting you anymore. The Buddha gave advice to a seven-year son called Lahura, This is wonderful. He told him, come sit here. He had had a jug of water. And it was a little bit of water. He said, Lahura? You see this little water? A person who tells a deliberate lie has this this much left, (laughs) this much spiritual power or spiritual faculties left in him or her. Then... Oh, this young kid, you know, what can he do? <laughs> okay, Dad. <laughs> then, Buddha called the, the jug of water again. He threw the water. Oh, little Lahura said, why is poor in poor water? Buddha said, you see, if you tell a deliberate lie, you are throwing all your spiritual faculties and spiritual power. And then, again, Buddha hold it and said... uh, He just put it upside down. Little Lahura maybe was getting confused what that is doing. (laughs) So then the Buddha said, "You see, somebody who tells lies, his speech faculties will be upside down, isometric, like this. Then again, the Buddha just put it upright like this. Come, come, come. You see." What's here? Empty. 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 The same Buddha say, you see, anybody who tells a deliberate lie, the speech of faculty will be empty. He will be really devoid of the speech of faculties. So, before you tell a lie, maybe you better remember this lesson to Little Lahora. There's a saying which I like. It's found in, uh, I think it's a Russian one story. it said that before you speak something, roar your tongue seven times. <laughs> Maybe you'll get tired before <laughs> you speak, but the advantage, the, the advantage to this actually is that you get time to think. You create a buffer zone, <laughs> yeah, before you speak something. Because sometimes we speak just on autopilot, bubble, we just bubble, you know, bubble, bubble, like bubbler, <laughs> blah, 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 <laughs> That's actually part of the speech, but actually it's called sampa palapa, means use, useless speech. In Uganda, it's called palapalanya, palapalanya, blah, blah, blah. And then in English, it's called blah, 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 isn't it? <laughs> Palapala palapalanya, in Nepal it's called uh, uh, Sampa Palapa. <laughs> so, anyway, try to reflect on uh, uh, the really the benefits of really telling the truth. That's very very important. Regarding speaking uh, and actually overall, if I reflect now, when I looked at my training, when I was young, because I've just told you the, the story, the Buddha told the little Lahora. So let me tell you the story about my mother. Um, I I don't know, maybe I was five years or six years in Uganda. My mother told me, if you have nothing to say, keep quiet. If you have nothing to do, sleep. Two things he gave me, but after now, I remember them very well. (laughs) So, after eating and all that, I would see kids around wandering here and here, and I wanted to join them. you know we are just having fun, you know, and neighbor kids were just so happy after lunch, you know, but for me, poor me, my mother said, "Come, come, come, sleep here so for him for her, because she gave me this advice, so she went to sleep, Poor me for some reason i couldn 't sleep at during that time. so I would, she would sleep and I don't know whether she snored, but she was in deep sleep. <laughs> anyway, I just kept w- awake all the time. So I was there wondering and all that. And I'm telling you, one day after the other, look at that, going on and on, I said, When is this going to end? <laughs> Sometimes I say, Okay, let me pretend as if I'm sleeping. I couldn't sleep. So my mother thought maybe I was asleep, but one time she woke up and said, Oh, you're still awake? What are you doing? Sleep. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. But the advantage of this is that I learned how to be with silence, to be with that silence, which people fear. Many people fear to be silent. In fact, I was staying here in America outside IMS and a kid did, did something wrong and said, go into your room. Go, don't watch TV. So silence becomes a punishment. So when people come even in this wonderful heavenly place like IMS, they fear the silence. They just want to keep company and walk around with their friends and all that because they can't be with themselves. So my mother gave me a great gift. And probably that was one of my first lessons in informal meditation. I wish she told me meditate. I'd be very happy. (laughs) I'll just cross my legs and all that. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Have fun. (laughs) But actually, I still remember that because when it came to my first meditation, I was already there. I knew how to sit a little bit, and then I knew how to be with myself and silence. So that was my first meditation lesson when I was very young. So I bowed down to that lesson that my parent gave me, and that helped me to practice so long time uh, in forests alone, caves, and wherever I've been practicing. It's those, you see how my mother planted a seed in me? So we are planting seed, we don't know how it's gonna happen. Just gave me two things. Keep quiet if you have nothing to say. But now I tend to say a (laughs) lot. Sometimes I forget. (laughs) You must hear in my talk I tend to say a lot probably. Anyway, this is the conclusion of the talk. I don't want to. I have nothing to say. I'll keep quiet. (laughs) Let me conclude this talk. Uh, We have seen the beautiful states of Buddha nature. The potential to awaken like morality, truthfulness, And energy, we have seen how they can benefit ourselves and others and the world. The world is full of wounds. We need people to heal the world, but who is going to heal the world? We are responsible. And where the responsible lies? In this box, in this mind. In Uganda, I was very happy I got a book from Joseph. He wrote, a, book, a small book called Transform, Transforming the Mind Healing the World wow that book was when I just saw the title that was enough for me really I had to think about doing a, a three month retreat <laughs> if I had done 12, 12 days in, in India in 95 so they told me to do a three month retreat I said those people have got to be crazy not writing anything not me <laughs> but when I say wow transforming the mind let me go for the training so I ended up I- IMS I don't know how <laughs> so um, we need to transform ourselves from what from suffering to happiness how you are going to do it we'll see let us sit for a moment or two All actions are led by the mind. Minds their master, minds their maker. Act your speak with an impure state of mind. And suffering will follow you as a cartwheel falls the foot of the ox that pulls it. All actions are led by the mind. Minds, their master. Minds, their maker. Act or speak with a pure state of mind, and happiness will follow you. As a shadow falls, you without ever departing. I offer this for your reflection.